wonderful. Well, as I said earlier, uh, the purpose of our, t- our time tonight is to get refreshed and uh, to receive the blessing God has for us uh, tonight. And that's my, my hope, my prayer. And I've been praying for you all and praying for this evening. And um, I know how easy and temp- how tempting it is to look elsewhere for, for, for refreshment. Um, you know, this is the holiday season, and so we go away on holidays, and that's great, and I'm really excited about holidays. I'm going away uh, next week in the Netherlands, very excited about holidays and refreshment there. But, you know, I also know uh, from experience and uh, from, from just seeing it around those in our church community that true refreshment comes from daily Meeting with the Lord, open up for his word and asking him to teach me something, asking him to just fill me with his Holy Spirit, asking me to be directed by what he has for me today. And um, in our passage this evening, uh, we're going to be looking at in, in John 4. Um, if you have a Bible near you, you want to open that up. Um, Jesus reveals a truth that I think we would all really benefit from, from believing in. And it's the story of Jesus uh, with the Samaritan woman. And we're not going to go through it all. I'm only really going to take one bit, but I will read a, chunk, a good chunk of it. Um, but verse 13 is really the bit I'm going to be focusing on, where Jesus says, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And I, I don't know about you, I, I want more of this refreshment. Um, it's been a, 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 a long year. Maybe you are feeling tired and weary. And um, I want this drink that is offered. And the fact that I think, as I said earlier, the fact that you are here, the fact that you've made a decision to come out and to say, actually, I, I, I don't care how good TV or Netflix is these days. I am going to carve out my time and meet with the Lord and become uh, together as the church family together. So, um, and my, uh, my longing, as I said, is that we would see a, a spring of water welling up in, in each of us. And th- that is this the kind of promise that Jesus has said here. So let's just look in the passage. I'm just going to read it, uh, well, a good chunk of it, and um, we'll have a look after. So, John 4. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sinchar, near a plot of ground Jacob had given to his sons Joseph. Jacob's um, well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did all his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, 
Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. In fact, it, it, um, the fact is you have five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you'll worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah, called the Christ, is coming, When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. So Lord, we thank you for your word and we just ask that you would teach us, help us glean and learn something new and that we would all go away from this evening um, refreshed and longing and thirsty for the things of you. In your name, amen. So, As we see at the beginning of this passage, Jesus' fame was increasing. The Pharisees were were keeping count of baptisms and and, and that uh, that he and John had performed. And they had had posted the score that Jesus was ahead and trying to turn both of them into rivals. But Jesus, you know, he wasn't interested in rivalry, fame or competition. You know, when the Lord learned of this, he says he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Jesus was more interested in helping one individual Samaritan woman understand some of the mysteries of the kingdom. Now, I don't know if you noticed this story, you know, it's very familiar to many of us, that it's a very similar uh, encounter that Jesus has with the Samaritan woman as Jesus has with Nicodemus, just a chapter beforehand. You know, they remember that story, and it all gets rather confusing, and Nicodemus asks particularly strange questions about childbirth. Well, what tends to happen, Jesus comes, and he, and he, and he, he makes a statement like, you know, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. He says that to Nicodemus. Or he says to this woman, the Samaritan woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. He makes a statement. And they're like, what? What's going on? And this statement is then completely misunderstood and taken, you know, in a very literal and wrong way. Nicodemus, surely a person cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And the Samaritan woman, well, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. And then Jesus remakes a statement, and uh, and even more vivid, in a more vivid way. And it is still completely misunderstood. And then finally, Jesus compels the person to discover and face the truth for themselves. 
And uh, as we see in this uh, story of the Samaritan woman, you know, she suddenly sees, she suddenly gets it. And a whole town, we see later on, becomes converted because of the witness of this woman. You know, the words of Jesus are sometimes really, you know, they're really difficult to understand. You can be a Christian for many, many years and still be scratching your head. Uh, And both Nicodemus and this woman took the words of Jesus. They took them really literally. And Jesus was needing them uh, to open their eyes and see things, not necessarily just on a natural level, but more on a a spiritual level. And I just think it's very easy for us to do the same, to be a little bit like Nicodemus and the Samaritan woman. And we just don't get it. We don't, you know, if we can't see it, if we can't touch it, then we don't trust it and we, and we, we won't understand it. And it's almost like we need to receive you know, new glasses, if you may, you know, so we can suddenly see the things of God. And there's almost, in this story, it's almost like you know, she's blinded, they're both blinded, and suddenly they get it. In our passage, the key image that Jesus is asking us to see is one of, of water and of, of a thirst. And though there was a, a real practical need in the story of Jesus, you know, he, in his, in his hum, humanity, he was tired from his long journey and was needing a drink. He wants the woman and us to put on just new glasses so we would not just see the physical need, but our, our spiritual need of water, that we are to be thirsty for the things of God. Now, this image of water and thirst is one that you know, is really common throughout Scripture. Um, the Jews often spoke of the thirst of the soul um, for God, and they often spoke of quenching that thirst with living water. And Jesus, so Jesus was not using a term that was, that was alien to anyone who had some kind of spiritual antenna. You know, they would have understood it. You see, throughout, I'll just give you a few examples. In Isaiah 12, the promise is, is that, the chosen people would draw water with joy from the wells of salvation. In the Psalms, in Psalm 42, the psalmist talks of his soul being thirsty for the living God. Isaiah 44, God promises, promise was, I will pour water on those who are thirsty. These are promises. Isaiah 55, the call was that everyone who was thirsty should come to the waters and should freely drink. Everyone. And then find Jeremiah 2. Jeremiah's complaint was that the people had forsaken God, who was the spring of living water, and had dug for themselves cracked cisterns that could hold no water at all. They had started to make their own ways of providing you know, for their own thirst. Now, scripture is full of this idea of a thirst that can only be quenched by the living water, which is a gift from God. But in this story, what is, what is the kind of standout thing in this story is Jesus takes things, he takes things one further. He uses this image of water, this image of thirst, and tells this woman, whoever drinks of the water, uh, sorry, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. You know, he could be the one who can give thirst that will banish it forever. And the woman takes what he says, as we see, you know, she takes it literally and she misses the point. But what Jesus is saying is, you know, I am the provider. 
I am the source of this water of life that has been spoken out throughout the ages, throughout, throughout Scripture. And we'll see even Revelations in Revelation 7 that Jesus is the Lamb who will lead people to the springs of living water. I am that person. Do you realize that I am God? Now, this woman, she was literally in front of the source of living water and, and she was blinded to it. She, you know, her eyes were still looking at the natural as a way to satisfy her thirst. And I, I do think that's probably our, our default position, isn't it? To, to look at the natural things of this world. And, um, and we, we think they're the things that are going to satisfy us. You know, I've been Christian, I don't know, 25-odd years now, and, and I still, I, I maybe hardwired somehow to still think, maybe if I, th- those things will satisfy me in some way. But, it, you know, ultimately it, it doesn't. There are good things that God gives us, but they're not the things that are going to satisfy them. Even the good things that God gives us aren't going to, ultimately satisfy things like family and friendships they're not the things that are going to be the ultimate things to satisfy us here madonna who one stage was probably the most famous woman on the planet said i won't be happy until i'm as famous as god that's pretty famous she got pretty close one theologian put it at the heart of all this there is the fundamental truth that in every human heart there is a thirst for something that only jesus can satisfy And I, I was reading uh, of a testimony of a journalist called Malcolm Muggridge who, who uh, it really just encapsulates what, it, what, it, what the satisfaction of this thirst really looks like. And he says this, I may, I suppose, regard myself or pass for being a relatively successful man. People occasionally state, uh, stare at me on the streets. That's fame. I can fairly easy earn enough to qualify for admission to the higher slopes of the inland revenue. That's success. Furnished with money and a little fame, even the elderly, if they care to, may partake in trendy diversions. That's pleasure. It might happen once in a while that something I said or, or wrote was sufficiently heated for me to be persuade, uh, for, uh, for me to persuade myself that it re- represents a serious impact on our time. That's fulfillment. Yet I say to you, and I beg you to believe me, multiply these triumphs by a million and add them all together and they are nothing, less than nothing, a, possib- a positive impediment measured against one drop of that living water Christ offers to the spiritually thirsty, irrespective of who or what they are. And I, I think I look around here and, you know, some of your stories a little bit, you know, many of us here today have known that satisfaction that comes from knowing Jesus. You know, if you've came to, to faith maybe a little later on in your life, uh, you will most likely have a testimony that reveals how through the Holy Spirit you have known peace and joy that far outsurpassed anything that, that you had before. And I hope And I I pray that many of us are experiencing God's blessing of life-giving water today. You know, it would really grieve me if we looked around and there was no one who was feeling that today. But if you are still still feeling thirsty and are not knowing God's Spirit at work in your life today, then it is crucial 
really, really crucial to find out why. Um, when, I, when I got married to my wife Lois, one of the, um, uh, my, the guests invited chose to, to buy us you know, for our wedding list. It wasn't on my wedding list, and they went rogue. Uh, but a whole bunch of you know, French classic movies, hoping to kind of indoctrinate me in French culture. And um, you know, one of these films, actually this is a true story, you know, I remember looking down the, the, the movies of my, um, in, my, in my house trying to figure out a child's name. I know, it got desperate when I hadn't got a clue what my child's called. And I actually ended up picking one of these movies to be my child's name. You know, you could probably guess if you know what my children are called. Anyway, uh, she's called Emily. Anyway, um, I also received the film Jean de Florette. I don't know if anyone's watched this film. It's a very French classic film. And it's a story of a man who inherits a farm and works hard day and night, throwing in all his energy and effort and all his finances uh, to, into it. And he's throwing them into, into all the latest farming techniques to make this farm viable. And he just sweat, tears, everything goes into it. But despite his painstaking, his back-breaking efforts, his crops begin to wither and his animals begin to die because there is no water. The naturally fed well dries up due to, to, to lack of rain. And so daily he crosses these mountains with his donkey laid down with pots and pans in search of water and he collects it from another stream and he, he brings it all the way back. But you know, what he, it's, a, it's, an, it's a pointless thing because he can never get enough to, to, to put enough water down. And eventually um, everything just dies around him, his animals and his crops so eventually, in desperation, he turns to uh, dousing. You know, that's when those kind of little metal things, and they cross over, and you're looking for water that way. And he starts find, trying to find water that way. And he thinks he's found water. So he starts blowing up bits of the turf, turf to try and get to water. And unfortunately, a big boulder falls down and lands on him, and he dies. Anyway, I've kind of ruined the film for you. But on his deathbed, you don't, I know, I've really ruined it. But on his deathbed, Jean admits, he says this, I failed to see that water was the one problem. And the, the tragedy of the story, this underlying story, is that there was a running river under his farm the entire time, but it had been blocked up by these wicked men who had sought to his downfall and they wanted to steal his inheritance and get him off the land. And I think I said that because often, you know, the river of God's spirit in our lives, it can, it can get blocked up or it can be diverted and, uh, uh, from flowing to and through our lives to bringing life, growth and, and, and kind of a harvest. You know, it is diverted by maybe our own sin, uh, by the world, by, by the flesh, by, by the devil. And some of us, you know, we may have struggled. We have strained looking all over the place for water that will irrigate our lives, but we, we've never ever kind of found enough. And the promise we see in Scripture is the river of God is far more than we actually need. And it's not somewhere over a mountain or some great distance you have to travel on some kind of you know, major journey. Actually, it lives within us. But Jesus knows that before we can fully receive that water, though it isn't within us, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and ask him to, 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 to reign in our lives, 
before we can receive this water in our life, we need to deal with some of the obstacles and rubble in our life that are impacting our relationship with the Father. And, and, and it's not because we don't get the blessings of God without dealing with them first, but actually they're, they're sometimes they're just stopping it and they get in the way. You know, for this woman in the story, it was her relationship with the men that needed to be addressing. Jesus, you know, challenged her on that. You know, I know in my life, when I look at my life, I know there are certain areas in my life that actually these are things, you know, I need to address. If I want to see more of an outpouring of God, more of the blessing of God in my life, don't just, just be saying more, Lord, without thinking, actually, maybe there are a few things I need to, to get in line with God. You know, you may have come to church uh, this evening, you may be expectant for God to meet with you, to reveal himself to you in some way. And maybe you're looking around, maybe to, in times of worship, and you're looking around, you know, why is God, you know, he seems to be meeting with that person over there much more than me. You know, I can see on their face, they're glowing. What have they got that I haven't? It's just so unfair. Maybe what are they, why do they deserve it? I'm here as well. Maybe, maybe I, it's more, I need to look, I need to just look more holy in my worship and just close my eyes and just, mm, and other people go, wow. Or, or uh, come on, Lord, you know, pour your spirit out on me. But, but you, you know deep down, if you think about it, there, there is a problem, there is a blockage. You know, instead of making ourselves open to what God has in store for us, we have, we, we have surrounded ourselves in barriers that stops God meeting with us. I did this uh, illustration a while ago, so if you've seen it before, you know, hey, joy, you get to do it twice. But uh, it's, it's a little bit like, um, oh, yes, no, that's good. It's a little bit like, you know, we put up these umbrellas, you know, maybe uh, an umbrella of unconfessed sin. Um, you know, Jesus, you know, offers forgiveness, but actually I, 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 there are things in my life I just can't, I can't forgive, I can't let go of. And actually th this, this umbrella, you know, it's, it's there. It's there, this barrier is stopping, uh, stopping you. Well, there may be others here. I've got more, I've got more folks. We can do more. Oh, yes. This is my wife's one. Yeah. Um, and maybe there is pride. Actually, you know, self-reliance. God, you can stay here on a Sunday, but actually when I go out, when I go into work, actually I don't need you to be interfering with my life. I am still number one in my life. Uh, we've got others. Oh, this is going to get complicated. Oh, here we go. I should have done the button ones first, shouldn't I? And then we have like worldliness, you know, treasuring the things of this world. You know, we can't be fooled to think that, you know, if we do just treasure things and we... we, we put all our resources and all our treasures in, in things that moth and rust destroy. Well, don't be fooled if things, you know, that's going to have some hindrance in our, in our lives. And finally, I can, do, I can do one more. I can do, this has got a button. Yes, got a button. Great. Oh, dear. Right, this is, all right, we can, I'm going to forget that one, but just imagine it's up. All right, and then there may be things like peer pressure, uh, you know, embarrassment, and actually, uh, you know, all these things, they, they build up, don't they? And they just stop. You know, we're asking, we're there, God, oh, as we, you know, Lord, pour your, your, your spirit on me. You know, just flood me, just, you know, wash me clean. And then we've got all these up. And this is not going to work, is it? Something's got to give. And so we, we basically need to say, 
you know, say sorry to God. We need to say sorry for the things I've done wrong. You know, Lord, I just I receive your forgiveness. I want to just be, you know, completely, you know, set free from holding on to that grudge anymore. Sorry for, for being more worried about what others think than, than, than your will in my life. You know, Lord, I just want to put you center of my life. Sorry for running after worldly treasures. I'm going to put you up now. You know, and just my moth and rust destroy or sorry for putting myself, you know, ahead of you. And all these things, you know, we've got to just be, acknowledge them and just say, actually, I need to get rid of them. And then we thank him. We don't just, just say sorry, we thank him. We thank Lord, thank you for dying on that cross for me. You know, we, you know, Jesus went to the cross and he declared, you know, I thirst. Do you remember that when he says, I thirst in John 19? Jesus thirsted on that cross so we might never have to say the same thing again. You know, he took it all on himself on that cross, all that suffering, all that pain and anguish so that we could be free. So we wouldn't need to thirst. We can, we can receive his kind of fulfillment. And we can thank him for this offer of forgiveness and his freedom of his Holy Spirit. And finally, we say, please, Please, Lord, give me your life-giving water that only, which can only satisfy. And I want to encourage you. I've seen it time and time again. I've seen it in my own life time and time again. When we do these very simple things, you know, the spirit will rush forward, you know, turning bitterness into beauty, desert into a waste, struggle into, into satisfaction. And I think some of us here today, you know, have been followers of Jesus for a long time, but maybe you have you've put these barriers up and you know they're there and, you, and it stopped the promises of the living water. It's, it stopped refreshing your soul and you know it. You know, I'm not going to point you out. You just know it. It's, there's, there's some barriers there. Well, I want to encourage you. Come to the Lord. You know, say sorry. Lord, I'm sorry for holding these barriers. I thank you, Lord, that you are a God who forgives and loves me. And Lord, I ask you to refresh me now. I ask you for your life-giving water. Now this, and this is a promise for everyone, and I think this is something we can almost do every single day, isn't it? In Isaiah 55, it says, everyone who is thirsty should come to the waters and freely drink. And I don't know about you, I mean, I've been speaking 20 minutes, I am actually now physically quite thirsty, but uh, you know, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for the things of God? If not, then, you know, maybe you need to ask yourself, why am I not thirsty? But, I, you know, it's a good place to be, to be thirsty for things of God. But when we do, we, we've got to come to him and say, Lord, refresh me. I want us to listen to a song uh, now that um, I've only heard quite recently. It's a, a song from a new album from my old church, St. All Dates, and uh, it's called Come to the Water. So you, you're most likely not have heard it before. But so we're just going to listen to it and maybe use this as a way of responding. And after that, we're going to come back and uh, we're going to have some time for prayer and responding to, 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 to what's being said tonight. So just play a song.